Welcome to this technology-powered compliance podcast powered by AWK together with Sage. Now, as with people, tax and compliance is one of those things that all businesses and organizations have to deal with, whether we like it or not. And having some type of systems in place can actually go a long way to increasing efficiencies and in certain cases, actually helping to stamp out certain underhanded activities. My name is Muriwa Gavaza, a writer with the Business Day and Financial Mail, and I'm going to be your host for this very important conversation. Joining me today is Jeff Ryan from AW Cape, together with Yolandi Esterhazen, who is from Sage, and they're going to be highlighting their view on how technology can be used in helping with compliance, as well as the benefits that flow from there, such as helping with taxes, as well as stamping out issues like payroll fraud. Greetings to you both. Good morning. Good morning. I think uh, just to start the conversation, Yolandi, I'm just going to start with you just around the importance of compliance. I think uh, just before even we began recording, we mentioned the fact that when we talk about compliance, it is a very broad topic that goes beyond just issues of tax, which is one of the areas that you are an expert at. But maybe you could give us just those thoughts before we hear from Jeff. You're absolutely correct in saying it's such a broad topic and compliance is even becoming a more important subject to have out there, speak about, to understand. And tax compliance, more specifically payroll compliance, has evolved over the years and it's so much more complex than it's what is generally understood in the market. And there are quite a lot of legislations to keep track of and added to that is also the Protection of Personal Information or the POPIA Act as it's known. And even though most payroll HR systems are updated with requirements, employers must still be familiar with requirements. They can't just rely on the system only. They need to understand how it impacts them as a business. They need to understand how it impacts the employees. So they need to be able to explain that. They need to understand what the software is doing because ultimately it's still the responsibility of the company to stay compliant. And they need to be updated with possible changes or proposed changes. So absolutely a broad topic, which they need to be aware of, proposed changes, current changes, how it's affecting their systems, and they can't just only rely on technology to do so. Jeff, I'm going to bring you up to this point because uh, Yolandi has mentioned a number of different issues and yours is one such business that is using some of these systems and also helping others with using that. Your thoughts just around the importance of first compliance, but also having the type of systems in place that can help to actually have a robust compliance system in place. Yeah, Lani did touch on a lot of points there, but I think fundamentally compliance is hard. Legislation has changed and evolved over years. It's got more complicated. And to Yelani's point, it's not just around being compliant. It's also understanding why you're compliant and getting the best out of that, you know, where you can get the best returns for your business. We're all about business efficiency. So it's not just about providing systems or improvement to business processes. It's providing the best systems and processes for that business. And kind of like what Yolani said, it, it kind of gave me an analogy of you may think you're compliant. You may have done everything in the best manner. You might have bought the best systems, automated your process and everything. But it's like buying a car and having the best car on the road, safety, everything. 
but driving on the wrong side of the road, you may still not actually be using the vehicle in the right way. And I think that's where there's a trade between having the best systems in place to help you to be compliant, but also having the right people in place to make sure that you're using it effectively. I like the fact that you're bringing up the issue of having the right systems, but more importantly, having the right people in place, because it speaks to an organization that at least from the top to the bottom understands why all of this compliance is important. But to your point just now about the difficulties in complying, maybe we could just delve deeper into that as a follow-up, Jeff, just to say in a practical sense. What are some of the things that are, I guess, affecting rates of compliance? I think Yolandi mentioned the fact that there's all of this legislation that people need to keep up with, but any other practical elements that lend themselves to the difficulties? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that you could look at, one of which is, do you really know your staff, payroll side, for example? You know, a lot of systems don't do system audits regularly. And we find that a lot of people that we go to and they're looking for a new system and they want to migrate and we say, well, have you looked at who you've got on the system? They suddenly find that they've got people that have been there for years, but they actually weren't part of the organization for years. That may be unintentional, might be fraudulent. We hear a lot in the press about ghost employees that are being paid still on payroll. And I think that's a very easy step, whatever technology you use, to do some sort of audits, if it's manual Excel or even through your own system logs or using expertise. Because your user count will affect your licensing on software. So you're actually paying for those people to be on the system in the first place. And the second part is you're actually not being compliant, which will have its own cost effects. And then if it's even worse with the fraud side, you could be really, really in a lot of trouble if you actually get found out on that. That's just one practical example where we feel that people need to look at their own systems or the way that they're doing payroll specifically and make sure that they understand their own employee counts and who is on their system. Yolandi, your thoughts just around this issue of compliance, we have Jeff who's already bringing in some of the factors like stamping out, helping to at least detect or at least stamp out some of the payroll issues that are there. Anything to add on the difficulties and also some of the other issues that can be weeded out when people make use of compliance systems and actually have proper working platforms in place? Absolutely. And I think Jeff mentioned a very important point about the audits and checkpoints that you need to have in place. And it's not just compliance, it's basics to have I subtracted the correct statutory payments, for example. Have I done all those basics required according to that country's legislation? And and it doesn't just affect the business, the morale of the employees. There could be major disruptions in terms of businesses if people are paid incorrectly or if fraud is actually happening on the cash flow of the business, the tax affairs, etc. And it's far more about just having those processes in place because that should easily be done in quite an easy process to have checks and balances in place. But I think what we should do more, and apart from just paying them correctly and from apart from just doing those audits on a regular basis, is that we should actually equip our employees to understand the tax withholding and tax certificates. In that way, they can be another check and balance on the employer side to say, look, this doesn't look right. Have I done everything correctly? I can maybe just give an example or where an employee understands a tax certificate. So on your tax certificate, when you get that, each remuneration element is reported against a specific code. 
but generally employees don't necessarily understand. So they obtain their tax certificate. They need to sort out their tax affairs, but now they need to get a tax practitioner because they don't understand the basics of those tax calculations or the tax certificates. And I feel as employers, we also need to take a bit of responsibility to educate our employees. I'm going to give you an example in terms of, so for the past two years, people were getting travel allowances. And they would have been able to see that specifically on a tax certificate. And there's certain taxation rules connected to a travel allowance. So the percentage on which you are taxed on depends on the amount that you need to travel. So now with the pandemic, where lesser people had to travel, they wouldn't necessarily know that that would have an effect on their tax calculation. So did the employers actually tell them we need to reduce your travel allowance or were they equipped to tell the employer to reduce the travel allowance? Because the fact of the matter is if you get a travel allowance and you don't travel, then you're going to have a nasty tax surprise when you do your personal assessment. So those are the things that I'm talking about. We need to equip our people. They need to understand. I think in general, you know what, the level of complexity which businesses are facing are rising. And it's not just due to, it's due to remote working environment. It's new generations entering a workplace. There are more complex statutory requirements. And we need to adapt our working models to those, the new trends. We've done an independent research study recently And 77% of those respondents of the research study actually said that they were struggling with the complexity of payroll taxes. Now, that concerns me a bit because if the employer is struggling with payroll taxes, then how are they able to explain those tax calculations? How are they able to equip their workforce to understand or line managers to explain it to their direct reports? So I think a big responsibility on employers And I'm getting back to what I've just mentioned. It's not just a system. Don't just rely on the system. You need to know. You need to understand what's going on in that system. And yes, I'm focusing more on the employee side, but where the employer needs to understand current changes or changes that's been implemented every single year, they also need to keep track of proposed legislation. Another example, maybe we've heard about the two-pot retirement system where government will basically force us to save part of our retirement savings and we'll have access to one-third of the retirement savings. And it's a, a way to force us to save for retirement, preserve those funds, but also have access to those funds in case of emergency. But we need to keep track of how will it actually affect my workforce? What will the tax implications be? We need to warn them beforehand. Is it something that will change the taxability? Is it something that will have a massive impact on them? And we need to warn them. So we shouldn't just wait for a system to implement. And now it's a big surprise to every individual out there. We need to keep updated and warn them of everything. So it's a daunting task. I think it's hard to keep updated with everything. And yes, we rely on software providers to keep us updated, but you still need to keep on top of the game. 
one certainly does need to keep on top of their game. And as an economist, one of the things that we talk about when looking at any market or an economy is what we call the universe of factors. You can't just look at, let's say, the fuel price in isolation. You have to think about geopolitics. You have to think about oil prices. You have to think about interest rates. You have to think about inflation. Are you an importer, an exporter of oil? All of these different things. And as Jeff and Yolandi are talking, it really does sound, especially the things that Yolandi is saying, that there's a universe of factors when it comes to the issue of compliance, that there's so many different moving parts that one has to think about. So Jeff, I think a natural question is, compliance, is it a journey or is it a destination? Is it something that people arrive at or is it something that people sort of work towards? No, I think it's more an aspiration. It's, a, it's definitely a journey. And, and as Yolandi was talking, it resonated quite strongly with me about the, the hybrid work environment. And one thing we don't understand is the impact this has had on our workplace. And we've been doing it for two years and a lot of people saying how much more productive and everything. But I believe that there's an issue that's going to come about from informal learning. And what I mean is the payroll staff used to all sit together and they all used to work together. And there's an informal conversation when they're trying to sort out the payroll. And there's a lot of learning that goes on through that. And we've actually found that with our subsidiary Apico that we've moved from a training model, which is a classroom-based thing, to a more coaching model where we actually try and coach people on the system when they've got their data, because we find that it's a much more effective strategy, especially in this hybrid world. So you actually have real life examples where you're working through, which is more like what would happen in the previous offices, where you're actually trying to sort out the payroll and working through with your colleagues. In this hybrid world, those conversations aren't happening. A lot of the information is sitting in people's heads and they're just kind of doing their role, but they don't know who to contact or they're too shy or, or too nervous they're a junior employee. So there may be an issue coming in the future where a lot of these junior employees that don't know all the sort of the rules of the games are actually falling further behind. And that stat from Yolandi of 70% not understanding tax compliance may become even worse because the informal learning is not happening as well. So I think one of the key things to understand is how much is employee investing in training or upskilling their staff and how much is this journey, are they making it easier for them to try and attain that destination you talk about? Because I definitely don't think anyone is fully 100% compliant, but it's definitely an aspiration. Certainly, and one at least hopes that the technology would be able to help in some way. But as Yolandi pointed out earlier on, the technology can only go a certain way. The people need to know what's actually going on. So in that breath, Yolandi, then training. Right, Because I can imagine that that's what needs to happen. I think you alluded to that earlier on, simply to say the training aspect, how does it happen? And the reason I'm asking how does it happen is simply to say compliance is nothing new. People have been dealing with this for decades, if not hundreds of years that legislation has been in place. Where are the gaps? Why aren't people already at that point where we're closer to the destination as opposed to having compliance as being an aspiration, as Jeff pointed out? Well, I think it's just generally a difficult topic. And as I've mentioned, if employers don't always understand the complexity or the calculations, for example, then it's hard to train. But I know of some companies who, for example, will, when it's time to do personal tax returns, they would actually get someone, a tax practitioner, to come and provide some training to the individuals or have sessions with them sitting around a table and actually 
assisting in understanding it in doing the tax returns themselves instead of them getting tax practitioners to do it and actually also provide explanations of the tax certificates, etc. So there are multiple opportunities. I think it's just the realizing that we can do so much more, we can actually assist them in doing their tax affairs. And especially now where we know that there's less a leeway with SARS. And, and I get a question quite a lot where people still ask, how on earth can I reduce my taxes? Or what can I do differently? How can I restructure my package to reduce taxes? And the honest truth is there are only so many legitimate ways to do it. There aren't many loopholes. There are actually, in fact, none. And as we know, SARS is improving their processes to also pick up a non-compliance. So more important for everyone to understand their own tax affairs. I mean, now we've seen it's required now that certain taxpayers or wealthy taxpayers with assets of more than 50 million, if I can remember correctly, will need to declare specific assets and liabilities on their 2023 tax returns. We know that there's a high net worth unit which was established at SARS to perform these so-called lifestyle audits. Um, SARS is able to exchange information because of their technology upgrades and they now have access to numerous databases and information across jurisdictions. We know that they're busy with Vision 2024, where SARS basically wants to implement modern automated processes to simplify compliance for employers. And it basically means that employer reconciliation submissions, so those submissions that employers must do uh, twice a year, will be simplified. There will probably at the end be no need for most taxpayers to submit tax returns anymore. And will also mean that individuals will have access to or a view of their tax affairs at any given point in time. So once they have access to their tax affairs, they will exactly see what's going on, what needs to happen, what needs to be changed. So SARS is closing in on they have a better view of all the taxpayers. So individuals also need to take responsibility of knowing what's going on. And I'm not saying everybody needs to be a tax expert. I'm just saying we need to equip employees and the individuals also need to know what's going on in their tax affairs. And I just want to add to, I mean, we start or alluded to training specifically, but training to our payroll department. As I've mentioned, payroll has become complex, payroll legislation specifically. It is quite complex. So the payroll department shouldn't necessarily, and I know not all businesses have the luxury of appointing all payroll specialists, but training is essential for people doing the payroll because it's so complex. And I mean, there are initiatives out there which companies can utilize, but then they don't utilize because the payroll department is not necessarily aware of those changes. I can maybe give some statistics on that again, because in the research that we've done, about 40% of employers, it was about a thousand small to medium businesses that were actually participated in the research. And about 40% of employers said that they didn't participate in the, for example, the employment tax incentive because they, due to a general lack of awareness. So it's available to them. They can save money. And I think that could have been covered by training or <laughs> those type of initiatives. 25% of employers actually said that they had a fear of claiming ETI correctly. And 21% of them had concerns about the administrative burden. 
So I'm just getting back to training. If you yeah. train them, then they will probably be more comfortable in participating in these schemes that government is making available to us. I think, you know, one of the things just to, to uh, we're big on to training and everything, but I think, you know, from a business running perspective, as you said, not everyone can afford payroll specialists and stuff. The, the businesses need to make a decision much like any other area in the business. What is their core functions? Do they really want to have payroll specialists in the business? Is that a key driver within their business? I mean, if they have 10 employees in the business, do you really want a payroll specialist or is it more cost effective to look to outsource? I mean, you effectively do outsource by buying the best technology like the Sage payroll systems because a lot of the compliance is there. But also the actual running of the payroll, is it a core differentiator into the market or do you have your finance person doing it as a separate role? Because if you're doing that, you're actually wasting your finance person's time when they could be focusing on more strategic value and understanding the finances of your business. So I think training is, is definitely the key if you've got the right expertise and you want to grow that as a core competency. But I think on, on some of the other businesses, it's definitely something to look at outsourcing. And that goes across the business, you know, whether it's your sales side or whether it's the accounting side or your payroll, all the things that you need to look in your business. Are there key functions to drive your business forward or are they something that you could outsource to a better, more expert provider like Sage, who would obviously have a higher level engagement to SARS or to someone else, like an accounting partner who does your taxes on a, on a yearly basis. Those are the questions from a strategic level they should be asking too. Just on the making sure that resources are used in the best possible way to actually increase those efficiencies. That's one of the big things that businesses should be looking out to do. Jeff, perhaps we can actually have you having the last word on this discussion and sort of uh, taking off on a thought that uh, Yolandi brought up earlier on about how a lot of the loopholes are being closed as SARS and other authorities start creating their systems more and more maybe that can lend us to having a better view because that's the authorities having a better view about us as taxpayers or legal entities across the economy maybe from an employer's point of view how does it then help to have single views or a better view of for employees in an organization yeah, so there's a couple of things there. There's obviously compliance so that you are not allowing fraudulent beha behavior. There's compliance so that you have accuracy so people are paid correctly, which is a really important side from a morale perspective. But then there's also just where the world is moving from a, the amount of data and information and the complexity of compliance in general, as Riyani said. Your systems are going to do it much faster than an individual. And there's a lot of investment in technology, like you said, in the regulators themselves, looking across trends, looking across data, they're going to pick up these loopholes or these activities that are out of sync. For example, in one of the accounting systems at Sage, have, they have a, a GL outlier. So as soon as some amount is slightly different to previous historical transactions, it gets flagged up to the finance manager. Now, that's the same thing that's going to happen within the tax compliance regulators. They're going to see some sort of transaction that just seems a little bit different. Someone's getting a massive deposit in the account when they hadn't previously, and it'll get picked up. I mean, there's the, the case and example of NASFERS where the, the, the student was paid over a, a huge amount of money that shouldn't. Those sort of things are going to be picked up before the payment is authorized. So there are a lot of those things that have happened previously because of manual processes or disjointed systems are going to kind of be weeded out. And I think from a business perspective, your own internal processes to look at those and optimize it. We work a lot with the farms in the rural areas and they have temporary workers that have multiple seasonal jobs across different farms. Some of the systems like 300 people allow you to have one view of that employee so that their IRP5 is, is aligned, the tax that they're paying, so there's no nasty surprise, especially at below level paid employee. They don't want to get a nasty tax surprise. And it also ensures a compliance from the employer side. 
So they don't have any issues with SARS at a later stage. So I think investment system, understanding if you need to outsource those functions, and then also just reliant on expertise and training. So very fascinating discussion just around the role of uh, compliance in the economy, but more importantly, why compliance is important and the ways in which technology can help to increase that compliance. I think coming off of this conversation, it's very easy to see that compliance is an important issue, but as highlighted both by Jeff and Yolandi, it's a complex issue that employers across the public and private sectors have to take very seriously simply because there's so many moving parts that have to be taken into consideration and having people who understand those things is important because it means from the top down that you have organizations that understand where they need to be. As Jeff highlighted earlier on, it's more of a journey as opposed to a destination simply because there is all of that complexity. But as Yolandi was highlighting, you need to have the systems in place that will help you to manage all of the different moving parts. But you can't just rely on the technology you need to have people who actually understand what's going on behind that technology. And one of the more important pieces is the fact that if you have all of this happening, it can help with the employee morale and at the same time can actually help to weed out some of the potential fraud that sometimes slips through the cracks. So that has been our discussion on this technology-powered compliance podcast sponsored by AW Cape together with Sage. I've been your host, Muriwa Gavaza, writer with the business business day and financial mail remember that you can subscribe for free on iono.fm spotify player.fm pocket cost or wherever you choose to get your podcasts